0: The Full Exposure Podcast is made possible by Metro Health, University of Michigan Health, and Dr. Peter Hahn in appreciation for the contributions that artists and creative minds provide to our community. Arts and culture are essential to a rich and rewarding life, strengthening our overall well-being and our appreciation of all that we see, hear, and experience. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of Full Exposure with me, your host, Brian Kelly. And as I sit here right now and recording this intro for this episode, I am in Los Angeles. I am sitting in a back patio of a house that I'm staying at near Century City. And I'm recording um, location episodes, on location episodes for the podcast. I'm here for a week. And, uh, and I have five amazing interviews, photo shoots, video clips, and things. Five different episodes we're shooting out here. Five different people. I'll keep them a surprise. But it's especially significant that I'm doing the intro for this particular guest today from Los Angeles. Because it's kind of his fault. Eric Holtron my buddy, Eric it is, uh I wouldn't say it's his fault. He was certainly a catalyst in me kind of taking the uh, final leap to um, start this podcast. Um, Eric had asked me to be on his podcast, which everyone should check out. It's called The Incredible Hult. It's a very good podcast. And He invited me to be a guest. I was a guest on his podcast. I don't even know when it was. I think it was in 2018 sometime, late 2018. And then in March of 2019, I started this podcast. And I had such an intriguing conversation with Eric during that, uh, when I was a guest on his podcast, that I got thinking more about conversations and how I could potentially do my own podcast. So I launched it. And uh, here I am just six, seven months after launching it, and, um, and I just am grateful to be in Los Angeles. I'm so happy to be able to take the podcast on the road and create some content. And the reason I'm doing that is because I want to uh, get out of the studio and meet some people that I wouldn't normally meet. They're not going to be in Grand Rapids very often, if ever. And these are very intriguing, interesting people. So if I can take the podcast to them and the whole premise of the show of doing a portrait and then sitting down and have a conversation, I think it's going to be cool. So, and it is cool. I can't wait to share these episodes from out here. It's been a blast. We've shot three out of five, and it is a Sunday afternoon. We're not shooting today, and I thought I would catch up, get out Eric's Holtgren's podcast episode, and... uh Prep for the next two days of shoots, of uh, podcasts, and um, it's been a blast. That's all I can tell you. Um, let me formally introduce Eric. Uh, he is—I uh, forget his actual title. Don't forgive me. It's in uh, not right in front of me, but he is the social media and marketing director at M Live. I think that's his official title, and he's a social media content expert. Uh, and a marketing expert. So um, he's also a videographer, a photographer, a podcaster, keynote speaker, an all-around great guy, not to mention a husband and a father. And, uh, but Eric always seems to be in the know about how all the latest tweaks and changes to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn are going to affect your business and, those, and how those changes might make it harder or easier for your audience to find your content In this cluttered, crazy, crazy world And there's an airplane going over But I'm going to keep plowing ahead Because that's what we do here And as I mentioned, Eric's one of the reasons That I started my podcast I put a link on my On uh, the fullexposurepodcast.com website You're going to find all of Eric's information Links out to his podcast His social media accounts And Um And he really, uh, Eric has a great, he's a great conversationalist. He's very smart. He knows all kinds of things about social media. And I'm constantly picking his brain, probably to his annoyance. I will text him and say, hey, I'm having a problem with this particular type of ad performance I put out on Facebook. Now, boosting posts, if you want to know any of that stuff, if you should... If you want to know about how to create and cultivate an audience or create content for your business or your personal life, Eric knows how to get that done. And he does it in a way that uh, teaches you. It uh, It's just a great... It's He it just has a way of getting you on the same page quickly. And it's a rare gift. And, and he also is a keynote speaker. He goes all around the country and talks about these things, social media, marketing, what platforms businesses should, should or shouldn't be on, or what do you, how do you decide what you should be on, and then how to engage, how to create audience engagement and grow audiences online. So uh, you're going to love this episode. There's a lot to dig in here, it's, uh, and it's fun. It's a fun conversation. So here we are, Eric Holtgren. Let's explore the bigger picture right now. going to do one thing. Will you just say test one, two? Test one, two, one, two. Right, do that. Did you think that was professional, like, that the was, way? Did you see the, did that? Did I was, pretty much like an engineer? Was it that? was
1: literally like being at a recording Yeah, studio. it was
0: like, you know, I mean, if if Zeppelin and the Beatles, if Sir Paul had had a console, like an iMac Pro.
1: Yes, and they recorded only their albums on GarageBand. Yeah. That would have been exactly what it exactly.
0: looked like. Exactly. I think the, the way I just maneuvered around with the mouse and clicked and then started, it's pretty impressive.
1: It really is. You've come a long way in your 32 episodes or however many of these you've done.
0: It's less than 15. Oh, is so it? So, okay. yeah. Yeah, we're rolling. Slate. Is that intimidating when that slate comes in? No. Really? You just live on camera. Just all the love time. slates. They're just my favorite. Oh my gosh! All right. Okay, I think I'm settled in now. I think <laughs> that was that was quite the hilarious. process. It was. <laughs> it's like a bird sort of perching. Yep. Get Getting ready, ready. ready. Well, I mean, if your base isn't solid, Eric, what else is going to happen? It all starts with the core. It's the core <laughs> of which we were just talking. There is no core left here. It's just layered. It's layered madness. Yes uh hey thanks for coming in man dude thank I, you for having me yeah so we talked uh i don't even know how long ago six eight months ago and i came on your podcast and you're partly responsible for this mess i'm in you're welcome well, i don't know i'll decide okay i'll decide right. where where we're going to project a lot of this uh hostility i might have no but you uh you came you came to the studio here we did this little set up. And uh, I, we just had such a great conversation that I thought, oh, I, uh, I think I can do this. But not like in a way like, well, if Eric could do it, I could do it. <laughs> I, I didn't take it that way till right <laughs> this second, but okay. <laughs> but I had followed your podcast uh, for, for a bit. I, and then I uh, had seen you on Live and doing a lot of social media posts. And you seem to have survived in, I think, the best way I, if it is, it's probably survival for your m- mindset of how the media landscape has shifted the last 15 years or so.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think at 45, survival is probably the apt way to describe that, right? Because, yeah. you know, most 45-year-olds are in the, right on the cusp of the, like, what is that, the Instagrams thing, right? <laughs> and I'm ru- running around telling people
0: what to do on yeah. Instagram. So, yeah, I, I would say survival is probably apt for that. But take me back because I know you had a career in broadcasting. You started. So, where are you from originally?
1: I am originally from a city north of Chicago called the Glenview, but no one knows where that is, so I always say Chicago.
0: Glenview. Was that in near the Home Alone?
1: Uh, it wasn't Home Alone. It's right outside of our Home Alone. Home okay. Alone wasn't well met, but they're right next to one another. So. There you go. See?
0: See how knowledgeable I am?
1: You are. See? Yeah. So, it north wouldn't work Chicago. on you, right? <laughs> <laughs> you go Chicago. Nothing works. Pff, yeah, yeah. Chicago. You sure you are. <laughs> So you grew up there. Yes. And then
0: where, where did uh, college take you? So
1: then I ended up here, going to Hope College, and I got my undergrad there. And out of Hope College, I ended up working for Clear Channel, where I stayed for 20 years and some change.
0: 20 years?
1: Yes. At Clear Channel. Yep. And what were your various roles there? So I started um, playing commercials in between Whitecaps games. Um, and it turns out... How was
0: Clear Channel involved with that?
1: So they were broadcasting them on Wood Radio at oh, the time. Oh, so you were they like made, the they need, switcher. You right, need so when they go, let's take a break, I was yeah. the guy that pressed the buttons. Okay. And um, I was 21, 22 at the time, and there was another gentleman who was producing the Wood Morning Show, and he was the same age and wanted to have a life, and I wanted to run away from baseball because... Pressing that button was yeah painfully boring, and they said, "Hey, uh, we need a morning show producer. Can you?" You
0: mean the pace of baseball did not like, it, fulfill you? Uh, no, really, just just sitting in a studio waiting full for of s- adrenaline, waiting
1: for Rick Berkey to say, "Let's take a break, everybody." It was not fulfilling my my life's goals, and so they needed a producer. So I ended up You're doing- like I went to college for this, <laughs> right? <laughs> Hooray! Um, so I ended up doing that for a couple of years, uh, and um, I got to about twenty four and said, hmm, I'm still working part-time. I don't have any insurance, and if something happens to me,
0: I'll go bankrupt, so yeah. I need to do something else. What age is that where we just go, you know what? I think I need health insurance. That's like when you die. Like, that's when your, your college uh, identity oh, yeah. dies. It's yes. when you start thinking about, I could, I, could, uh, I, could, <laughs> I could maybe slip on some ice. I could turn an ankle in a pothole in a second. Break a HSA. leg. How do I get an HSA? Like, <laughs> how do I
1: contribute to that? <laughs> so I ended up quitting and taking a job at the Limited in the mall because they instantly gave you benefits, and I thought, okay. So I was really? a stock boy at the Limited for a while. That's
0: like uh, the equivalent of of Starbucks now. Yeah, like you can work at Starbucks and get uh, health insurance. Yeah.
1: So th- I mean, they were a great company, and so I did that for about six months. And Clear Channel had another opening for me, and I came back. Um,
0: was that a power move at the time? You're like, no, I'll show them. Oh, uh, uh, it was a negotiating n- No, I mean, you know what?
1: I was too young and stupid to negotiate. I just said, hey, I need insurance. Can you do that? And they said, no. I said, OK, well, then i got to do this thing instead. Yeah. Um, and I ended up coming back, and they had just purchased a radio station called i96, which is now an ESPN affiliate. Mm-hmm. And they put me on the air with uh, a guest you just had, Michelle McCormick. And so yeah. she and I did mornings for about seven months. And it turned out I was really bad at mornings. And they, Why? Why were you? We um, I just it didn't work. Like for everything that she's awesome at in mornings, I was that was just not. Hmm. It didn't work. And so I ended up going to afternoons where I thrived, and I stayed there till we bought ws in August of 99. And I moved over there. And after that was what was known as the program director. So the guy that picked the music and yeah. kind of did all that stuff. And I did that till 2014. And then it was time to go. And I ended up at MLive.
0: Wow. So you're an on-air personality, doing live remotes and all that other all stuff? All that stuff,
1: yes. To yeah. all the auto dealers no. and cell phone places that you could imagine. Yeah, so. come
0: on down. I'm yes. here till 4.
1: <laughs> Spin the prize wheel. <laughs>
0: you can take some prizes, some SNX swag. <laughs> Um, but yeah, did you enjoy it? Uh, Were there moments? uh, I mean, not moments, but like how you were there 20 years. So you must've thought broadcasting was going to be your deal for a while.
1: So I would say the being on air was the part that certainly kept me there a lot longer as as it got more and more corporate, it got less and less fun. And my two favorite things were being on the air, and having some sort of relationship with the music that we were able to play in the area, And right? actually
0: picking it, uh, some yeah,
1: algorithm like, or something. Correct, like and, and, and just making an impact and, and understanding that when people would use radio or still use radio, they're using it for some sort of purpose, right? Like their soundtrack to going to the mall or to the movies yeah. or to the beach and to be a part of that and create... The playlist that they enjoy as they drive out to Grand Haven mm-hmm. was something I, I really enjoyed doing. And, yeah, and as, thinking about
0: like like sculpting that content, yeah, sense, and
1: knowing yeah. that if you it, for what we did on SNX, if you only have 14 minutes a day to connect with somebody, what are the perfect four songs you could do in those 14 minutes? Right. That was a lot of fun. So I would say those two things were what kept me there as long as they did, mm-hmm. and all the rest of the stuff slowly degraded at my sanity. And, well,
0: and I think they didn't they dump. I'm just projecting about what I understand about how it happened in the news industry. It happened like you also had to like probably be conscious of helping the sales department Mm -hmm. and then, um, you know, doing more and more things, uh, on your own, in studio and yep. sort of like one-man banding. And you things. were doing less
1: and less on the air. I was doing what was known as a lot of voice tracking, so pre-recording the afternoon show so I could do all the things you just mentioned, oh. like running the website, running the social channels, going on sales calls, doing all of that stuff. And so I was doing less of that yeah. soul-filling part of the job and more of well, the and stuff what that... Well, that's what
0: people perceive live, is that not, it's not all pre-recorded. They want... right, You know, that's part of the what... If there were, as if that was the authentic thing is listening to your favorite radio personality at whatever time slot you thought they were talking to you in real time, not just like correct, you know, throwing yeah. you to the next song or the next commercial break or news cycle.
1: And it felt to me to get, to be harder and harder to make a connection. Cause even as it is, if you're doing afternoon drive by yourself, you're in a dark room for four hours talking to yourself. So yeah. it's hard to picture Brian Kelly to begin with. Mm-hmm. Now, if I'm doing it at nine in the morning and guessing what mood you're going to be in at three, it's...
0: Yeah, good luck with that. You know, it's right. It's, it's usually when my nap sets
1: Nap in. or snack, right? Yeah. Like what, whatever.
0: Either one. Sometimes they're together.
1: <laughs> but like it got harder and harder to do that. So um, that's actually what drove me to platforms like YouTube or podcasting so I could yeah. do other types of creation.
0: But entirely on your own. You on just my own. Doing and, it on yeah, your
1: own. because I was fascinated in, in what was happening in the space. Um, and that's sort of what drove me in that direction.
0: So were you always a tinker and sort of like uh, curious about things? Because I think that's if, it, if you have been, it's, I would uh, attribute that to your success and sort of being able to pivot is sort of forecasting for yourself what's coming and when you know like technology and did you see the freight train kind of coming i would say my if
1: i only if i had a superpower it would be curiosity right like even as we were doing the shoot it's that's a great pull
0: quote by the way you
1: know i'm i'm doing i'm looking at the lights and going okay why are those two touching and what does this black background do Mm -hmm. and while you're doing something else i'm going right to me I tend to look at the world as it's one big, giant magic experiment, and and what you guys do is magic, and I'm trying to pull that apart and figure out... It's not really. But but if you don't know what it is, it's absolutely magic, you know?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, no, I appreciate that. But, yeah, yeah, sorry, I sort of cut you off being sarcastic, but the point was that uh, you were able to pivot by being curious in these fields. So it wasn't podcasting when you started, what, four, three, four years ago, or how long ago? So this, the one you're talking about was like four years
1: ago. Yeah. Prior to that, I had... It's the Incredible Halt. It is the Incredible Halt is the one I'm doing now. Prior to that, I did, for 10 years, I did a mixed martial arts or UFC podcast. Get out of here. Um,
0: Where was the... Uh, what? Really?
1: Yeah, so we just stopped a year ago. Was there four... I'm h-
0: ready to get on the bandwagon, and you guys I just
1: stopped. I can help you. Um, but that was our 400th episode, and we kind of hung it up. But I just thought that that to me that felt like which was one of the reasons I was excited you started this and one of the reasons I'm so into the way in which you talk to guests is I felt it was a much better platform to talk about the nuance of life as opposed to 3 minute or 30 second or 1 minute clips to make sense of the world
0: well yeah I think yeah podcasting it can be whatever. It's like Netflix now for like uh, creating t- episodes. They're not a slave to twenty-two minutes and eight minutes of commercials. Sure, they can make an episode be forty-three minutes or an hour and twenty minutes. It or seven minutes, right? It, yeah, it doesn't matter. So, it's when the story's done. The story's done, and you can give it space. That's what's appealing to me. But, um, but uh, when so eight ten years ago, you're doing UFC stuff? Yeah. And who was your partner? That? So, I don't, so for one, full disclosure, I, don't, I do not really follow the UFC that much, although it is becoming slightly, even though it's, uh, it was, it's hard for me to watch. Not that I'm a pass. I like boxing, but there's something more brutal about it that I just have not quite, how do you say, um, acclimated my palate to. Sure. Is that a fancy way to say that? I felt like that was kind it's of a, a fancy way to say It's a very it. fancy way to say that, yeah. Acclimated my palate.
1: Yeah. So uh, 10 years ago we um it was myself and um it eventually ended up being a dear friend of mine Ken Evans who's over at um Hot FM now. He and I just we had been watching it almost since it started mm-hmm. and I uh, had a passion for it and there just there weren't a lot of outlets. That were doing so you're like breaking
0: down the fight or yeah. upcoming. Or previewing. the business
1: or rumors just, or those sorts of things. But it was
0: all UFC stuff. So did it really did it gain traction in that world?
1: So it had a very brief moment where we were able to um, we'd done enough of them in test, right? Where we'd just done podcasts that actually we ended up getting it on the ESPN affiliate for on Friday nights. Um and played it enough times that we were able to try out for premier radio networks. They ended mm-hmm. up not taking it. And after that, we took it off ESPN because we were interrupted by every other sport that actually paid them money, right? The, the White Caps. White Caps, Griffins, <laughs>
0: Tigers.
1: Tigers, whatever, right? Yeah. Uh, which we totally understood, but we wanted to keep working. So we moved it straight to, to podcasting. So mm-hmm. again, we could take back control and do what we wanted to do. And we did it for 10 years. Um,
0: well, and that's it got- a great run. Yeah. I and mean- it, it just got to the point where it, it like anything that you do for that long, it becomes as soon as you get older, it's like you know uh, you need some you need to monetize it somehow to you know it can't really be a hobby Yeah, it can't be a hobby or, I mean it can it or just it needs... like I think you lose i I'm speaking for me, not you, but like I was just having this conversation with my dad. I was on this road trip with my dad and my brother on motorcycles, and just got back last night, but my brother is constantly taking photos much more than me on his phone. He's always looking around and taking pictures. And uh, he's not a professional photographer, but, like, we are just noting those differences in, uh, in our sort of personalities. And I'll, I'll, I said something to my dad, like, if it's about photography now, if I'm going to post something on social... Uh, on any social platform it has to move the needle in some way towards my business and i don't mean that in a greedy way but it's like the create whatever i could show creatively may have a business or strike an idea to have me create something for them so the joy of just meandering and go oh there's something unusual or like abstract looking at abstractions like i'm not i know i can't monetize that so my brain just sort of like And I don't, this sounds terrible, but I, it's not about money, but the point is I love doing what I do because I feel like people, uh, commission me in a sense to do what I would love to do. And so I don't need to meander off into like, I wonder if I could make, uh, photos of the side of a texture of a old barn, um. Sell right. it as a calendar right. image. Like, yeah, I yeah, know yeah. that that's not out there. So I just don't even pay attention to it. Anyway, I don't know how I got there other than you were talking about. So well, I, we were talking about the idea of like there's a point where the flip switch, where you're being a professional, you're already a professional broadcaster, you're podcasting in a way, and it has to do anything well, like I assume you and your partner were doing. It took some time and energy. Sure, right? you know? and,
1: and that was more. It is that it was it was becoming less interesting as the sport became. You know, they went when we started. They would do five events a year. and Now they're doing upwards of fifty-eight or sixty. Yeah, right. So there would be events that we'd be very interested in talking about, and then events that we didn't care about. Yeah, and that became kind of where we, the nexus of us going. We've done it for a decade. It didn't turn into something right. that was profitable, which is fine. I, I mean, I'm I'm of the type that I will. Follow my curiosity yeah. well past its expiration date, just sure. because I like the, the Just make sure it's dead. <laughs> just the curio- the curious nature of it, but, um, yeah, we we kind of turned that one off, and I put more energy into other things like the the Incredible Hulk podcast, or my nonprofit, or my family, or well, whatever. That's
0: what attracted me, and in some ways, it helped shape even the guest because I knew I didn't want to do a podcast about photography, and so I'm relating my first experience with you on on your podcast. When I was doing, really digging back into other episodes of yours, it was all over the place. You know you might talk to Rob Bell or you might talk to a filmmaker. you might talk to someone who's a entrepreneurial thought leader. Sure. Like it was all it was just whatever engaged you. And I find that interesting and sort of taken to some degree that model here. like I'm talking to you, I might talk to a, you know um, a filmmaker or a photographer or whoever I want. That's what's cool about it. Then, if the space allow, this podcasting allows that sort of thing to happen, if you want it to. And I forgot my train of thought there. Darn it, Eric! Where was I going with that? Uh, I'm cutting this out because I don't want to sound bad. <laughs> you? you were, uh, you had come from the, the corporate world of what we had described as being corporate, sure. and less personal. You were doing this podcast, and then you went to this forum. Uh, you know, you could podcast and talk to whoever you were interested in. There was nothing at stake except your own curiosity, right? And so, for me, that really just said, I, you know, podcast can be anything you want. Episode to episode it doesn't really matter. You don't have to stay in a lane.
1: No, and and in this era where it's more about niche programming than it is about mass programming. Yeah. That gives you that freedom, right? You don't need all the listeners, you just need your listeners. Yeah. Um and and I hold fast the theory that the the money will come if you do what you are interested in.
0: Yeah, I say that about photography uh, all the time to students and I'm sure you've said it to broadcasters and other people interested in that. It's like, well, it fits your passion, you got nothing's going to be easy.
1: Yeah, uh but the, go the, get it. The one thing I would say though is in the last eight years I worked at iHeartMedia, I didn't hire a part-timer. So I don't never I don't normally tell them that you can do anything you want because it's not getting into radio at this point because they're not really hiring. So yeah. what I tell them instead is make as much stuff in that four years as you possibly can. Try as much as you can, create as much as you can, and so yeah. you can figure out where you end up because your path to getting into broadcasting, whatever it is, is much different than mine was because it's not it's totally nonlinear at this point.
0: Right. Well I think the explosion of all this media content, just content creation for whatever Netflix or Hulu, just name any kind of you know streaming platform, they all need this content, but what it's allowed to double on your point is that people can take whatever voice they have as narrow as it might be there's a good chance you can discover enough of those people in the micro to make it sustainable, hopefully. And um, if it's good, for one, you have to be creating, you know, interesting shows or an interesting podcast. And if it doesn't, like, people aren't going to pay. Th- it's sort of the ultimate, like, dem- democratic approach. Yeah, I mean, to it. The,
1: the, a the market decides if you're right. interesting, yeah. and b. It's the Kevin Kelly theory of a thousand true fans. You mm-hmm. can make a living off a thousand true fans. And it, when you frame it like that, when you're in a, a, a DMA the size of, you know, a market size of Grand Rapids, that should open you up to a lot of possibilities because mm-hmm. there's lots of pockets of thousands that you could be making stuff for.
0: Hmm. If there were a thousand, uh, thousand year old pockets, is that a million? Or I, that I, a was really,
1: I was really bad at math, so I have no <laughs> idea. <laughs> carry the
0: one, add six zeros. I'm cutting that part out, too. Okay. Now, um, well, yeah, and I think uh, a friend of mine was like that, early on when online and MySpace started with music, he's like, he adopted that thousand fan things and then started with backyard shows and doing stuff when he couldn't make an album anymore because sure. you lost your big album deal, you know, and that's, but pivoting through that, it's great, but, like, the, uh, so how did this opportunity, so you're riding this broadcast wave, and uh, how does it end at Clear Channel? Did you, like, see you later? Or was uh, it wasn't those, quite like,
1: see you later, but it wasn't quite, I, um,
0: I mean, I don't want to, you don't have no, to
1: No, no, anyway. no, I'm not, I'm not couching at all. I'll tell you yeah. the story. I was just trying to figure out the way. Um, I would explain it to my kids that it didn't end as well as I wanted it to, uh-huh. but it ended the way it needed to. Right. So uh, the last four years, I was doing much more digital and social and web stuff, and much less broadcasting. And I had gotten to the point where I was turning forty, and I essentially went to them and I said, I I can't play Justin Bieber records anymore because I'm forty and it just feels weird. Mm -hmm. What What's next? Um, And they really didn't. There wasn't a really great answer as to what next, as other than hold on. And and I'm not really a good hold oner. And so this opportunity at MLive Live came up, and they were looking for a director of marketing. So uh, I said, "Yeah, I'd love to interview for the position." Even though if you look at my LinkedIn or my resume, or nothing in nothing in it indicated that I should be a director of marketing. But they took a shot on me. Um, so
0: that I, was a title, director of marketing for MLive?
1: Yes. So my does it mean
0: statewide or just yeah, it Grand was sta- Rapids? No, it was sta- it was statewide.
1: Yeah. So I yeah right. So they took it like. They took an awesome shot on me and, yeah, I, no, and then, you know and I can't say enough good things about that opportunity and the the first, one of my first jobs though was to figure out a way to um, work on subscriptions for newspapers to millennials, which turns out is not an actual job right
0: <laughs> well it's not an actual thing right they don't want to so, buy papers so very quickly we and
1: this is one thing that they're awesome at is that if, if the person is in the building and not in the right role, they will work to figure out where that person goes. And so very quickly, we ended up going back to what I was good at, which was social and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So very quickly, my eight months in, nine months in, I was back to creating campaigns for clients and consulting for clients and keynotes and those sorts of Mm -hmm. things, which ended up being the lane I should have been in in the first place.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because you are doing more keynoting now, so when you do when you do presentation, what do you want to call keynoting? Sure, whatever. Or conferencing, yeah. or you speak to uh, an employment, or you know, talking at people. Yeah, talking. Well, <laughs> but they're there to learn, yes. right? They're there yes. to like learn something new about the landscape of media and social media. Yep. And how uh, big and small companies can uh, leverage these platforms. Uh, what is t- a typical uh, three point arc of I don't mean to minimize it down to three points, but like the idea. is sure. So if I'm going to hire you to do speak at my conference, generally, what are you? And that's what's your yeah, elevator what are, pitch. What are the three takeaways? What are right. S- what are you selling? Me? Yeah. So I will typically
1: give sort of a, a state of a state or a land. You know, yeah. like what the land looks mm-hmm. like. Here's where all the platforms are. Lots here's, of
0: explosions. Here's and- the
1: ones to pay attention to. Here's the ones I wouldn't pay attention to because mm-hmm. lots of people will walk in and say that you should have if you're a funeral home, you should have a Snapchat account, and that's a stupid bit of advice, right? <laughs> and then the second part is, I'm actually going, and this is something I learned through watching others, and, and you will go and see some conferences, and people will stand up on stage, and they will talk about themselves, but not necessarily give you something you can do. Yeah, They will say, look sure. at this amazing thing I made. Isn't that awesome? Everybody mm-hmm. claps, and we go away. And mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure that if you were going to take a shot on me or a chance on me and bring me into your event, then I was able to leave you something that you could do right now. Yeah, so some, some practical,
0: actionable
1: items. So that is all Act 2 is. Here yeah. is the things that you can do right now. Right. And then Act 3, if they have the space or the ability the to call. do it. Is the curtain call? Is, I prefer to do Q&A because I want yeah. them to tell me what is your actual problem. Yeah, matzo ball stand and ice cream place, and right? Like, what, yeah. you, what are you actually struggling with so we can work through it as a group? Because that to me is what is powerful about this medium is yeah. that you can work together as a group, and when you get these groups of humans together either at a chamber of commerce or some other event, yeah. it turns out they all have similar problems. And perhaps if I do my job well, they can turn and look at one another and maybe they could help each other.
0: Yeah, interesting. Well, that's good because uh, I think most... Would you agree that even now today, I think it's improving very quickly, but I remember not that long ago the debate about companies, corporations, and any business. The idea, the notion of putting together a Facebook page for the business was laughable to most large businesses. Like, we don't care. Like, no one's going there. We're not doing any of our... Uh, engagements at all on Facebook that's for whatever Sure, that was not that long ago and now my daughter's a good example she's still in college but she's working internships around where she's doing nothing but channeling and feeding every social platform for companies or for the companies she's interning for
1: And the bummer is, if you haven't started yet, it's way harder to start now and build an audience and find people, right? Because Facebook, for the last couple of years, has kind of tapered off in the amount of users in the United States. Like, you've got what you've got. That's why I'm going
0: global. You know,
1: and even globally, it's not that (laughs) great. Dang it. Um, You know, but... See you in your facts. uh, Even with smartphone adoption, right? In the United States, it's like almost 94%. So there aren't more smartphones to show up. So... What you have on these platforms is what you have. So if you're still sitting around going, why would we do that? It's, <laughs> it, it's not, you know, that's not a good look for you at this point because between LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, one of them, I promise you, fits your business.
0: Yeah, for sure. No, I totally believe that. And maybe all three. You know? Maybe. It just depends how you shape content. I but
1: I, I typically more. would say, like, start if you don't do it, regularly or 15 hours a day start with 1 because if you do 8 of them to start they're all going to suck because the, the part where and, and you and I've talked about this a lot uh, is where everyone gets stuck is the content creation part.
0: Well, yeah, and, and I like, mean what do I, what do I put on these things? It's almost like saying in a weird way it's like um how can like if you're going to go out on a date in you know and you're very interested in it, some some girl or boy or whatever you're like how can i make myself interesting like Mm -hmm. like you're almost like getting ready to put it out there and it's almost too late in the sense that if there needs to be like the authentic, you're already searching for something that's gonna avoid you're the last thing you're gonna find is authenticity in that moment like as a brand yes some people don't even understand brands and their own company's brand identity and what it stands for, and what it should be, and how it should be connecting to audiences. I think that's what's fascinating. Is every voice of whether it's a small company or big, huge corporation, it has a personality. It has a
1: yeah. And, and I've been, um, I haven't really fully fleshed this whole idea out, but I've been paying a lot of attention to both Pixar and Luminations animated movies, and when the credits start rolling sixth or seventh credit in is always someone who is the head of story. Hmm, Yeah, yeah. That person's job is to make sure that the hero's journey starts and ends well. Right. And and to your point, I think brands should think about who their head of story is, who's going to make sure Mm -hmm. that we're not getting ready for the date on Friday night that we were ready for eight years ago. Yeah. Um,
0: Or at least for the narrative you're telling. Yeah. There's a quarterback for how that unrolls. And there's a content plan behind it.
1: And you have a purpose for it. Because yeah. that's the other thing that brands do is we're going to start a Facebook page. Why? Well, because someone told us to. Nope. Wrong answer, right? Wh- what do you want that page to do? What, do you, what does Brian Kelly mm-hmm. want his Instagram to do? Well, he wants to drive it to his actual business and mm-hmm. get people to be interested in what he does. Okay. Then he can't take random sides of barns as photos because that's not what he does. True, true. Um... And that you know, those are usually the two places where brands get stuck or yeah. have a problem with. Is, is how this do the I
0: same thing? Is it the same problem? I had somebody uh, approach me, a, a friend of mine who works for a company, and I won't mention names. It's not that it's all that controversial. it's not controversial at all. But the po- question was posed to me: Hey, you're doing podcasts now? I'm like, yeah, you know, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'm doing one, and and they're like, uh, my boss said uh, we should maybe start thinking about doing content uh podcast content do you have any tips i'm like i know you're in the furniture industry like i don't know any like is there an audience for talking about uh and i'm not asking that's a rhetorical i'm sure there's an audience out there but like they hadn't even thought about like who they were speaking sure. to really through the podcast yet so or even why they a uh, podcast would be effective, other than just like live streaming occasionally on their Facebook business page. Like start somewhere. You don't have to do a podcast, but you can like at least leverage the audiences that are already there. Yeah. Well, and if there are any, and stop
1: starting things just because you read an article about them, right? You know, right. is 2019 the yeah. era of the podcast? Well, it might it might be, but if yeah. you look if you look at iTunes and you look at the top 20 podcasts consistently, they all come from a traditional medium, right? Or a more mass medium. So Joe Rogan comes from television, right? Like Chris Hardwick comes from television. Yeah, Serial comes from radio. So if you're looking in that and going, see, there's, there's a growth opportunity. Well, if, unless your furniture company had a television channel, like that's not necessarily <laughs> right. an apples to apples comparison. But to your point, if there's an audience and you have something to say, You got to plan that stuff out. Because the thing that you and I talked about when we stopped doing the episode we did was I think it's like 60 or 70% of people who start podcasts stop at episode six because they just.
0: Well, I don't think that's unusual. That that's the same with anything. Sure Most, it is. Well, you know, but this anything. is just yeah, yeah. this is
1: the thing du jour right well, now. Everyone's exactly. gonna
0: start a podcast. Well, and there will be the you know, it's already saturated and I felt even funny dipping a toe in because it's like, you know, I even say on my on my about page of my website, it's like, Does the world need another podcast? That's the first thing you read about about my podcast. Does the world need another podcast? The answer is no. It, See, but, I disagree, but no, but I mean, I'm saying in you, in the abstract, as glibly as you
1: want to put that, I would, I disagree, and I would, I'll tell you why. Because even if you just look at your first 15 episodes, there are people who traditionally don't show up on podcasts, and for sure, are human beings in this town that haven't had an hour to talk about themselves in any platform.
0: Yeah, but I, you, I understand what you're saying. I don't know. No, that I don't that, think you do. <laughs> I don't <laughs> know that 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 doesn't automatically not that you're saying it should but the automatically translate to an audience development you know it's like there's a reason where maybe if people find the podcast because they've heard of my work or the premise of the podcast or they stumble into it somehow a lot of times when the guest isn't necessarily known or you read the quick bio they may not on paper be interested in, you know, or just reading the text and going, okay, I'll click into this and listen to this podcast. You know, there's a lot of levers to pull is what I'm saying uh, for success.
1: But I guess I would argue like you didn't get into this to have a hundred thousand people listen to the podcast. You got into it because you were interested in. It's
0: you and me at this point. So inter- you were interested in the the. You're one the, of you're my first fan of a thousand. So uh, if you could leave a hundred dollar bill on the table, that'd I be will great. be more
1: than happy to do that. But <laughs> you know, like if you get into it trying to attract a giant audience, no, it's I mean, not going to yeah. work, no, right? You've got to get step. into it and, yeah. and be interested. Right and and, on, and on, not to cut you off, but and understand like it's a long tail. You need right. hundred episodes or two hundred yeah. episodes or three hundred episodes sure. before you can even say before
0: anything could. You know, I mean, how many? You know, I mean, when Rogan started, like I'm sure people were calling him crazy for five years. Sure, like, it wasn't you know like why are you doing this? Why are they four hours? Why are they three hours? And now he has, has a
1: doing? fourteen thousand square foot studio.
0: Yeah, like he's doing okay. I mean, which is okay. If you want a big studio, I have a little less than fourteen thousand, but I do have you, a nice studio. You do some other stuff in here too. Well, that's yes. true. It's not dedicated to my podcast, but you know, there's another there's there's another mountain to climb. There, maybe. Sure. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but okay, so audience development of that, but yeah, I mean, I think, um, but the point I, I'd go back to is nothing's easy, and a lot of most things that people start don't end well. And it doesn't matter if it's a relationship, if it's a uh, um, you know starting out on a job, going to college, um, trying bowling, yep. uh, archery, fishing. Like you know, a lot of people buy boats and then they you know sell them after four months and they don't like boating anymore. Like there's a lot of stops and starts in life. So there's a lot of combinations that have to fall together for anything to really be sustainable. But I 100% agree. And when I I don't want to make this uh, your analysis of what I'm doing because it's your fault I'm here but um is you know I committed to I'm going to go hard at this for a year and see and now that I'm four or five four months in or whatever it is um you know I can't re- you know I might as well reset that for 12 months on top of that and then 12 months on top of that because uh I don't know where it's going It just I but I won't know and the way I'll find out if it's not going anywhere is if I stop. Do you like it though? I do like it I do I love it. It would be great to do something like this more regularly where but there there has to be the move the needle thing at some point. So how long do I do this as a side project? Um, you know, and I'm just started now to put put the bait on the lure to say we'd love to have some partners in the podcast but it's really a critical point for any business. If I can just bring it for the audience, it not about my podcast, but there is a point where you have to create commerce and a hobby. For me, has to collide at sure. some point. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, I could be better and more efficient just by doing what I've been doing and trying to stay focused on. You know, part of me is like, is this the time to get distracted with something that doesn't create any? It actually costs me money. That's out of pocket cost. It it, costs. It, um, it isn't sustainable in the sense that I can afford to invest in it now, but, like, does that make sense a year from now or two years? That's a question I'll constantly be evaluating just as, like, a, another side business project. Do you have anything to add to that? Probably not,
1: but I'm just... A, <laughs> well, I, I, all I would say is I, I would... I don't know that it necessarily... It costs you in hard costs, but I, I would wonder if, in a moment of self-reflection that this actually makes you more creative because you're doing something that you're not necessarily good at yet No, and i like and it you, i like
0: you... learning from people i like i'm curious about people this is if you stay authentic to the premise of the podcast is exactly what i wanted it to be which is like i for 20 years have started really fascinating conversations with most people that i have in front of my camera and they're always abruptly ended because the shoot ends. Sure. And so we're, now we can meander into anything now. So that, if anyone finds it interesting, then uh, aside from myself, that's great. But I'm also, I have been doing these things uh, just in different compartments. I've been doing portraits for my book for no pay, for just because of a creative expression. I've been making video and content just for my own expression or to soft sell the business somehow uh to engage. So really the podcast formalizes all three of those and but really just authentically hopefully puts out a conversation that hopefully m- more people than me would find interesting and if you hold up to your end of the bargain other people will find you interesting as well.
1: <laughs> See what I can do for you.
0: <laughs> that would be great. Uh Well, but I I wouldn't relate it to anything about entrepreneurship, though. There's so many gray areas. I don't know. There's still some things I don't know on my, I think we talked about it when I came on your podcast. You know, if you look at my calendar more than a few weeks out, there's nothing there. It's unemployment. I'm going to lose my house. But somehow it works out, you know? It fills in. Yeah. And this is sort of like the audience development. You don't know when it's going to fill in. You don't know at what rate it's going to fill in. Did you feel that pressure at M Live at all to like? What is what is? Uh, so there's another question I have for you about this mysterious M Live arrangement. Sure. You have. So you're doing what? You're doing content creation. You're creating all kinds of things. I see you talk about everything from new technology. Um, when you're on the M Live channel. Yep. It's lifestyle stuff. You're doing stuff about music now and listening rooms, and the explaining the concepts of. A new listening room in town at Studio C. So day to day, like are you f- what are you focused on like in July? Yep. Like what is going on at M for so, you in
1: Yeah, so in July I will be doing a lot of my I'll answer I'll answer that in pieces of I part. just meant
0: to say yeah, there are a lot of tentacles to what yes, you're doing. And so, so I didn't mean to like Yeah,
1: in July specifically it will be much more video content. Um and the rest of that stuff kinda kicks off in September, as a lot of businesses kind of chill out. Yeah, you know, I don't know if you feel this, but a lot of businesses chill out on bringing people in to talk because it's summertime and lots of people are gone, yeah. and that stuff kicks off. So my job uh, falls into three categories: it's it's keynoting and consulting. So coming into a business and helping them navigate social or whatever questions they have around that.
0: But you do that via M Live, correct? As a role that you can sell those services, correct. and Consultations through M Live. So you're billed as an M Live expert.
1: Yes. Got it. Yes. And, um, and then the other part is running campaigns. So these would be companies that don't want to do it themselves. They want mm. us to run it. So we've got a team and yeah, I work with a team and we execute a campaign that can be ad campaigns or yeah. organic content. Well, or I remember
0: in the old print days, you would shoot some of these for the press way sure. back in the days. They do advertorials. Yes. You know, it's like, Hey, we're doing an advertorial looks like editorial content but it's a paid placement correct and uh, this is more management of anything it doesn't have to be under the M live brand but you're just helping as a almost like a Consultancy ad agency, right?
1: Yeah, as a full full service ad agency, which is the part of M Live that I work for, and then the third part is more of the advertorial that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I am on the Michigan's Best team, so John and Amy do the food part, and we rolled out travel, and now I do business and innovation, which is where that listening room series came from. Mm-hmm. So um, that's the the Michigan's Best innovation and in business is most of what I'm going to do in July. Is a lot of shooting and editing and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. and then towards the end of the month, I'll start you to. Must write. have a
0: huge team working for you. Huge Mm
1: -hmm. team of one. Shooting, editing. That's all me, which I'm sure you can can understand. Um, And then I'll start writing at the end of July for the keynotes that I have to do in the fall and build the decks in August and then get back on the road. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. Because
0: you, um, I was following your posts, like you go to Vegas for, what's that big conference? I went for the Adobe Summit this year. Yeah which I've always wanted to go to, but you really ran across some real thought leaders in business and audience engagement. And yep. uh, are so, some of them seem to be people, there are people that you've fouled and been influenced by in some way. So in, in that particular instance, they reached out to me
1: because they wanted to bring in, I think somewhere in the neighborhood of 60 to 100 influencers for the Adobe Summit. And my original role was to come in and vlog. Mm-hmm. Go to the summit, make some pieces about what the summit is, and then put it out in the world so that people like you would be like, I've always wanted to go to that. And then you go right. to it, right? And then uh, an opportunity came up where they needed a host to do all of those interviews. And because of that superpower of curiosity, you know, I ended up on their list of people that they wanted to do that. So I instead spent three days sitting in a studio that looks like this. Interviewing. It was nice.
0: Yeah, yeah it was nice a spot. really, really nice yeah.
1: setup. Um, and then... I spent three days just interviewing.
0: Yeah, you get five ten minutes with yeah. whoever, and yep. they just threw them through. So, who booked your? Who was your booker, like producer? Not who specifically. It, it, yeah, like, it
1: was like, it was Adobe did it Do- all. You know, they it. laid it all out. So I, you know, I um, probably uh, Scott Belsky was probably the the biggest one. If you're in the creative world and you used Behance at any point or mm-hmm. read his books, and then my favorite was a woman named Kathy Hackle who's an expert at AR, VR, and MR. She's actually one of LinkedIn's experts that they put out there to. Beta tester products, mm-hmm. so she was fascinating because I'm really mesmerized as what that part of the universe is going to look like when we're viewing the world through the glasses that you're wearing now, and it looks different than it does right this very second. So,
0: well, yeah, that's still the thing I'm still an old man about. I mean, uh, is the 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 VR? If I'm behind on anything in my industry, is knowing the value of. Um, Uh, immersive experiences. I know like from a retail setting that that's important and you can see your couch in your room and the scale of it. And I see the practical aspect of it. But in terms of like how I typically work with companies, I have not been able to pivot to an idea where I was like, this would be great. In a, what's the two? There's VR
1: and then there's so the other... So virtual reality yeah. is when you're wearing the yeah. goggles, yeah. right? Um, augmented reality uh, AR, is when yeah. it comes through the, the phone. phone right. And then mixed reality is when it essentially shows up in the room with us and understands space. That's yeah. the difference between AR and MR, right? Okay.
0: But, yeah, at least for what I'm – and there are, there's one production company in, in town who's on the forefront of that and has been doing when, – so when I, in the early days, what it was was like 360 filmmaking, right. that type of thing. And I was like, I don't know that people really care about the content that I'm doing in a way to, like, pitch a VR to get budget, you know, to do – Uh, you know, an immersive sort of 360 corporate video. Sure. Like, I'm just not seeing it for myself. But, like, if it's a lifestyle brand or if it's, like, whatever, box of water Mm -hmm. and you want to go water skiing and scuba diving, like, that might be a cool thing to inject a brand in with an experience, lifestyle experience. But that is something that uh, I just... You know, a lot of my learning are in as you progress through technological changes in my industry, photo or video, and you've experienced the same thing is just having one client that you find a good fit for, and then you go figure out how to do that. That's been my whole career, like especially pivoting to video. It's just like I had a client base of photography clients, and I was like, you know we I should try this YouTube stuff. Let's like, <laughs> tell some stories with video, DSLR. Yeah, you know, kind of like you figure this out, and we figured it out. But anyway, um do you see I'm just curious if you see much in the world of VR exploding. I mean AR, I know from shopping and retail and all that stuff so, that's a big So not yet. Yeah. Um because we haven't really had and.
1: in people who are experts in that field will call it the Ray-Ban moment. And you might have heard that when they were talking about Google Glass. Like, is this the Ray-Ban moment? And what they mean is, have we created a device that normal humans will wear, right? Mm -hmm. Because no one on Earth is going to wear a scuba mask permanently so that they can live in a, right? And even the gaming industry. So that's the the stuff that I tend to look at. It's like, has the gaming industry gone all in on this? Well, the answer right now is no. And -hmm. until they do, we probably won't have this Ray-Ban moment, and even going from Pokemon Go to the new Harry Potter game, it's amazingly better, Mm -hmm. but it's still not a thing that everybody is using. And even when you're talking about retail, there's not a lot of people that know what you're talking about. They're not walking into stores with their phones on to get the coupons or the free coffee Or even just
0: having a photo of their living room. You yes. know, and going, yeah. I want to see this couch here, and you drag whatever code into yeah, and if
1: you know And if you're listening to this and want to know what that looks like, there's a company called Interior Define out of Chicago that does... They have a really cool app that does that, so you can yeah. see what Brian is talking about, where yeah. you can place the couch in your living room before you buy it. Sure.
0: Um, did you see that Black Mirror episode about um, social media where yes. there's a rating? Yes, and the rating. The contest, yeah. yep. and she's like, I'm a, I am need to get to 4.5. Right. And that was amazingly we're so close <laughs> so yeah. close to and that then right just now. yeah i know it's not far away but the idea of these contact lenses or however they were seeing the world with like if somebody passing by and you're broadcasting your your uh, social sure. status yeah, yeah. rating is uh you know th- that seems uh implausible but entirely like you could see it happening in real time and that's um like that headed that way, society in some way.
1: Yeah, it's not a quantum leap. Yeah. You know, if you watch the influencers on Instagram that the currency is likes. Yeah. And so it's it's not that far of a leap to go straight to mm-hmm. an Uber rating system as to yeah. what restaurants you can get into, what hotels you can book at, right? Right.
0: And my brother was telling me in China, that idea of the getting instant approval for things has already become a thing from with the state of China. So the the Chinese government, some situations will monitor like your, um, not behaviors, but like just this, uh, you get more privileges with the Chinese government or whatever by how well you're ranked by these other things. I guess it's, it sounds very, uh, dystopian, but it is a dystopian concept. But the point is, there's already this evaluative sort of thing that if you, maybe you get a speeding ticket well you might not be able to drive between 12 and but it would happen instantly and you know what i mean like yep. within the, not like you had to go to a driving class to you know I, I don't know it's just interesting fascinating to see where it might go but i found that one episode to be so ridiculous and spot on about how everyone is fake in the elevator just to hopefully get a to five get star rating get the rating yeah, the rating. yeah. <laughs> um what else are you excited about in terms of, um, you know, when you emerged out of Vegas? Like, what's really what's uh, really driving some some curiosity in the tech space and meaning for social platforms? Yeah, so what you, do at um, I,
1: you know, some of the curiosity is how voice will shift. You know, because typically digital campaigns are based around a search. When someone is yeah. trying to find a photographer, it starts with a search. Mm-hmm. And how do, what happens when they're now searching in their native tongue to a device, either on their phone or in their living room? How does a brand show up in there before we even get to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn? You've got to be there when they're looking for the answer to that question. And sure. if they're yelling at Alexa, I don't know if you have one, so if I turn it on, I'm no. sorry. But um, you know, if they're looking through Alexa, are you the one that shows up? Because if if you go home right now and you start playing around with how that might look and you ask Alexa or Siri for the best hamburger in mm. Grand Rapids, you're going to be surprised at how broken that search is yeah. and what results it gives you that are contrary to where you would actually go.
0: Well, it's like, you know, it's like meta tagging, what do you call it? You know, keyword. Yep. Keywording your website. You know, it's like, there's a game, there's a way to play that game, right? There's and certainly, and eventually there'll be one for voice, I would imagine.
1: Yeah, but I, I think what what I'm excited about and what I think about is how would you, if you were talking to me and we were going to go eat cheeseburgers right now, what would you ask? Because you wouldn't say, show me all the results for cheeseburgers in my area within <laughs> a four-mile radius. That's not how you would talk. Yeah. You would say, I'm hungry, right. where can I get a burger? Yeah. Okay, what shows up?
0: Well, and just also getting... Uh, the AI to respond to how we talk, right? Yes. You know, that's the whole other mystery, like, so, sort of thing to make it more feel, these interactions feel more and more human. Like you're like, uh, hey, like, you know, like it's more like your friend asking your friend or telling a friend to look for something. Like all the
1: debates about telling your kids to say thank you to Alexa so you teach them some manners so they're not just <laughs> yelling at inanimate objects to do things.
0: <laughs> Yeah, fortunately, my kids are old and older. So I, you're, how old are your kids? Now? Three and a half and seven and a half. Yeah. So yeah, they can speak to technology now. They can. make can do things. And that and really mostly
1: look. what it does is play Old Town Road. That's really all it does. <laughs> old Town Road. <laughs> all the Old Town Road. <laughs> well, you can tell Alexa to stop that. Can't you filter that? I, what kind of a father goes, Alexa, never play this song ever again. <laughs> Sorry, kids. <laughs> Well, maybe they should develop some more interests. Yeah, maybe it's their fault. Yes, they should expand their musical horizons <laughs> past Old Town Road and Taylor Swift.
0: Um, well, so as you, where do you envision? Um, maybe it's not a fair question necessarily, but how? I just find it fascinating because uh, M Live emerged out of you know the. Howard Scripts or whatever—I forget the old agency that yep. owned, uh, owned them. But I started out as a stringer for the Grand Rapids Press, and that was back in the film days in the mid '90s. And and then you know, journalism and media and print sales, ad sales—you know—just everything exploded and shook upside down. I think within two or three years, um, you know, it was, a, uh, it was most of the papers were gone. Sure. Or, Yep. And they've emerged into all these things by quickly converting to this m live experience and statewide and aggregating some news to some places and wider. You know, it's been a but they had an audience to engage with to your point about it was a traditional medium that had that was born into a different one, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, they had to pivot and roll and yep. can't change over to the other one, but what um what do you find fascinating about working with Live? where, you know, to some extent, I'm sure there's still a bit of a big ship that doesn't turn real fast, or are they getting more, more and more nimble?
1: So I think in any corporation, that's what happens. But to answer your question, uh, the thing that I'm most fascinated about with that side of the organization, right? So it's kind of, as it should be, church and state, right? So there's the editorial side and the sales side. But on the editorial side is how vital that team is and how little credit they tend to get in the public eye, right? Like On the you, editorial yeah, side? Yeah, well, or like, if you think it. about the Flint water crisis, that was two people from the MLive team kind of breaking that thing wide open right. and stayed well after... Same with
0: PFAS. And all right, and,
1: and they stay well after yeah. NBC or CNN, and those guys bail because they've gotten their clicks or their yeah. links or their views, and they're gone, and... That's the stuff where we're, we're in this really interesting space and you saw it this past weekend with the fight at Rosa Parks Circle, right? Mm-hmm. Is that that's broken by a random human who gets 250,000 views on his video. But the problem is, it's great that he's there so he can document it, but the problem is that he comes into that with his own biases that you either agree with or you don't agree with. Right. And when left to our own devices, we're making assumptions based on what we viewed right so if you just view that video you've got an opinion of it whatever that opinion is and a good journalist can go in there and kind of parse that out and, and to me the thing that that I'm very passionate about and I try and bring into every conversation and you and I had it a couple of weeks ago when we went out for drinks is we we lose this nuanced conversation and everything breaks into tribalism and everything yeah. breaks into sides even something like that like as a story A fight for the second year in a row during the Fourth of July fireworks is a terrible story. Yeah. Full stop. Right. Right? That's the story. However you parse it out and whatever narrative you want to tell after that, as a city, we should do better Mm -hmm. as a collective. And I think there's a place for citizen journalism and there's a place for people to capture things that a handful of journalists, because to your point, right, it's not getting, the pool isn't getting bigger, it's getting smaller a handful of journalists can't grab all of that stuff but when you need somebody to make sense of something like PFAS or the Flint water crisis you need somebody with connections to understand the questions to and ask it, and it's and a long access. tail on that story and it's, it's a not, very long tail yeah
0: you can't you can't just you know spend an afternoon sort of getting some quotes and then no. write about it it's, No. it's too moving and you need journalists that dig because uh, Certainly, the corporate spinsters are going to not have not be forthcoming. I'm not speaking about PFAS sure. specifically, but just in the just abstract. Just in the abstract, yeah. It's it's you know they're not inclined to want to let anything bad come out about their company, and um, but journalism breaks all that stuff, you know.
1: Well, and then you're now you're in this era though where we're using the word fake news about everything that we don't agree with, and yeah. so these. Men and women come slamming into this idea of fake news, so you put stuff out in the world, and if it doesn't meet my worldview or connect to my worldview, then i 'm just going to say it 's fake news and dismiss it
0: yeah, even though it happened right like, just I just don 't get how things are become just implausibly the undeniable have are denied and i don't i don 't understand what part of us. Uh, goes, ah, oh, okay, and shrugged it off, you know, and go, well, we'll see what happens tomorrow. Because the, it, if you came from outer
1: space and you landed in the state of Michigan and someone told you, oh, yeah, we poisoned an entire city, and they would go, well, have you fixed it? And we'd be like... Well, no. I mean, we got sort of not bored really. with
0: that story. We so. just got Governor Snyder's I, cell phone. That
1: I mean, we we moved out onto something else because we were really mad about the Lions haven't won a Super Bowl. So that's what we're doing now, right? right. Uh, and, and that the, that's the stuff that it, that's the stuff where I, I do a lot of thinking about like what could make this better, what could mm-hmm. what would make people want to consume more news because they're not going to pay for it. Okay, but not like yeah, the, I you don't know, know
0: that we can. Uh oh, sorry I didn't mean to No you're good cut you off, but like I don't know that we can get the toothpaste back in the tube and create a toothpaste that comes out where people are actually uh, uh concerned like they're they're discerning and um, and objective about what they're reading and uh don't instantly just fall into that uh, catnip sort of um, this falls into my trigger, uh, whatever triggers sure. me on a daily basis and what doesn't trigger me on a daily basis. I, I don't know. So the challenges for me, just being on, I've never been a photojournalist. I've shot stories that illustrated some articles, but I don't live in photojournalism. I don't have the same um, constraints that a photojournalist has to exaggerate or elaborate photos or alter them. So, but... But you were saying no, it, was it was me like, and waxing like you, so poetic about you, my stupid career that. Um, you were
1: saying that we couldn't get the toothpaste back in the tube.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't know how to make people concerned. Like, so part of me, part of my frustration, and this sounds uh, like I am some type of elitist society wise, but like. The idea of just actually taking a moment and a breath and not being a catnip sharer of this. And I just almost, it happened to me this morning. I read something about, um, it was New Balance. It was an article that was, I didn't check the date. And I was like, this makes me so mad. And it said something like, uh, New Balance is putting out an American flag um, themed shoe to support Trump. And I was like, oh, New Balance. I can't believe you dip a toe in that, like, the anti-Nike sort of, like, whatever. And I go, is this where we're going? And then, like, I actually started to read the article, and I was like, wait a minute. There was some comment in there that it, it was talking about the election. Well, it turns out it was from early 2016. And I was like, oh, that article's three years old now. And I almost...
1: Shared it almost, yeah, almost.
0: You know, I almost was like, "Oh, this is ridiculous," and I almost like in my own mind was like, "I'm never buying New Balance," you know, or whatever. Not because of Trump or America, but just like the idea of. Anyway, the point is, anyone can fall fall into that trap of being inflamed for thirty seconds about something, or even less. Sometimes it's two or three seconds. But I think we're getting dumber. That's my point. As an audience, I think we're getting the tools are all there to be smarter than we are now, but I think we're still even lazier about really finding out objective truths. And I would
1: say it's less about lazy and more about attention because if I can get that new balance story up first, I'm going to get all the likes and I'm going to get all the comments and I'm going to get all the shares. And therefore my social currency is up and I have value. Um, and, And that's, that's the part of that machine that makes this very difficult because if you're a journalist or someone who wants to be a journalist, like that's, that's the hill you have to climb, yeah. is up, of, up that, where, right. where even someone like you almost shares this thing that's three years old because you, didn't, you weren't going to bother to read it. Now, mm-hmm. how do you teach a three and a half year old and a seven year old or a 10 year old or a 13 year old or a 14 year old, hey, okay, so we now live in a universe where if you see a story that says McDonald's is going to make pizza, here's what you have to do. First, you have to read that story. Then you have to go to Snopes and see if it's true. <laughs> then you should go to this site to check out seven other stories that tell it a different right. way. And then after all of <laughs> that...
0: Then see the CEO's keynote that's live-streamed on yes. the McDonald's corporate channel. And then form an opinion. <laughs> now do that a 1,000 times a
1: day, and that's how you get smarter about the world around you. Yeah. So to, to your point... We're addicted to the attention and the dopamine, which is in fact making us dumber because we don't have time to actually sit well, and I'm ponder.
0: You're talking, you're speaking more from the content generator side of it, which I get that. Nope, that's I'm speaking you know, so of like the audience, the side audience, because
1: they want it. You bet your ass that they want the likes, they want the Instagram hearts, and they want the likes on Facebook. And if they can, if they can get true, but they're not. That's that's what you're saying though. Mm. Is if you go through your Facebook feed. Sixty percent of it isn't, and
0: you actually have. My to, personal, you audited my personal Facebook. Page. Yes,
1: it's, that's what I did all morning before I got here. <laughs> it's Well, you theme.
0: do do your prep work. It's actually fifty-eight <laughs> percent.
1: Um, but you know, lots of it is fake or yeah. exaggerated, or yeah, and, and, and it's
0: it's it's through whatever um, you know echo chamber that you listen to.
1: But if but you and I are friends, and if I see you share this story. I automatically think it's real because I trust you.
0: Right, which is a bad mistake. Which is
1: clearly a terrible yeah, mistake. So yeah. In this case, it, it yeah. is because right. it's wrong.
0: Right. And that's, yeah. that's... Or outdated or no longer true. Mm-hmm. You know, and you can't erase anything from the internet Correct. now anyway. Yes, because
1: so. it's all permanent. Yeah. And that's the feedback loop we're creating is yeah. that... Friends trust friends, and your friends are sharing things that aren't true, right? Oh, like every right. year we get the story that Taco Bell is using human <laughs> meat to, right? like And you get to see that shared every single year. And that thing's probably seven years old.
0: Yeah. And, you know, that Morgan Freeman died again. You know, that, that one's out there every five or six months. It right. Seems like. you
1: know, it's too bad.
0: He's a good actor.
1: <laughs> he still is a good actor. He's <laughs> okay, alive no. right now. Oh, all right.
0: As of July, what (laughs) is it now? Uh, Yeah. Uh, All right. So uh, is there anything keeping you up at night about this stuff? Uh, I mean, at the real core of, like, social internet strategy, uh, bots, um, uh, political deflection, smear campaigns that take off, like, wildfires as soon as they hit Twitter or wherever? Yeah, I... um I don't know, Like
1: keeping up at night is probably a bit of an exaggeration, but there was an excellent article today I was reading about YouTube and um, hate speech versus free speech. And I think the thing that I've been wrestling with over the last, call it three years, right, because it's kind of got it exaggerated in the current administration, is this idea of what, what are these platforms actually for? And is it YouTube's job to police content? And if it's YouTube's job or Twitter's job or Facebook's job or Instagram's job, should it be? And if it's their job, or even if, even if it's their not their job, if they make a decision, if they make a moral judgment, to quote Jordan Peterson, if you make a moral judgment as a platform, you're on the hook forever. You have mm-hmm. to make every moral judgment for the rest of time. You don't just get to make the
0: easy one right. that
1: this thing doesn't...
0: But it is one thing to say, what is this for? And if people, other people are deciding that Facebook is for uh, spreading political untruths or creating uh, content that's shifting political thinking and political action sure. that is not true. Sure. Uh, then I think Facebook can go, this is not what this platform is for. Should they, though? Uh because where does that line stop? No, I, I'm with you, I understand. I'm with you in this, worms. In this argument. The toothpaste is out of the thing. I'm just saying that I think the notion that we can trust uh, anything at any point is almost impossible. Because we're not present. We're not, I'm not, you know, you could say an earthquake happened in California and two of them in a day. And I'd go, okay, that sounds terrible. And But I wasn't there. I, can, I sure. personally can't verify it. I have to trust you know what happened, but like, uh, you know, I just, I, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's just such a weird time. I don't know. There's, I don't. I hate when people say there's never been a time in history because I bet there has been something about you know, media being used to. This just deploy. makes it move
1: faster. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, right. I don't think there's, there's, I don't. Human think, nature hasn't. I don't changed. think there's never been a time. I yeah. think there's never been a time that's this fast. Right but I, I just i don't I struggle with do I want the platforms to be the police the moral police like is that well, there, yeah is i it, guess uh yeah I guess right because that's like about. that's like do you do you want Pepsi to figure out what diet your children should have,
0: or does that sound like your job mm, well, no I'm kidding you know what I mean like yeah, no, I know it's but um I get it. It's just about information though that's the thing I'm sort of blending bleeding the lines are sort of mixed around news and current events that happened or didn't happen. I don't know it's fascinating. We'll have to chat more about it I mean we uh we're at we should wrap up in like five minutes, but I'm saying that. I just find it fascinating to talk to you because you have your toe in a lot of parts of this, this stuff that I don't always think about. And I trust your inst- instincts on it. And, and I don't know it. that I'm right.
1: That's not what right. I'm saying. But you asked me what keeps me up. That's yeah. the stuff that keeps me up. Like, do, I, do these four platforms that are right now arguably more powerful than any other medium in history, if you want to pick up, there's no oh, time in history sure. quote, that's the quote, right? Do we want them to be the decider of morality or should we be having a different conversation of how that happens or should we be breaking up the companies in congress like they're ta- that's the stuff that quote unquote keeps yeah. me up at night is like what should sure. these platforms become because they're clearly more powerful than they know what to do with right. which becomes problematic
0: yeah and i don't think as fast as everything moves that's the whole point campaigns have figured out via Russians or any other disinformation campaign, exactly how to use Twitter and Facebook to move entire voting blocks.
1: And it's not like these com- companies haven't tried, right? Facebook, tr- right? Facebook and YouTube tried algorithms. Well, that wasn't fast enough and that wasn't secure enough. So then they hired humans on top of algorithms and even that won't work. Yeah. And they've got armies of humans that have to look at content and say yes or no. Yeah. Um, and even that atrophy, what is, eight hours of that, what decision are you making at five o'clock? Probably a pretty bad one.
0: Well, and I forget what you probably read it too, or, or I forget about it. But it was a, maybe it was a. Um, a it, was the, it was about the people who have to on YouTube and Facebook have to like make sure that um, the explicit pet, content pet, yeah. pet torture doesn't yeah, yeah. get out yep. on there. And those people have PS. Of course, PS, they do PTSD. And I just can't imagine having a job where you have to look at things that are so the worst of humanity of all the time and make they're preventing that from going out. So I guess where's that? There there's that line as well, you know, like if it's a free for all and let people decide what they're going to watch. I'm not saying I'm not advocating for that, but I'm pointing just pointing to the But point that on. that's
1: one philosophy is yeah. is let the market decide, right? The the problem is everybody everybody in air quotes, right? The estimation is that that's not what's happening, is that all right. of the bad is bubbling up and not well, all of like the like
0: Instagram has made a, constant, uh, a concerted effort to not show female nipples. You know what i mean? saying? So yes, but like that, like that's, that's
1: one of the reasons that
0: Instagram continues to grow is because you can right. escape all of this into right. that universe. Right. So th- isn't that cutting against what we're talking about? Because they're, they're providing censorship.
1: But it's a different platform that you can't actually do the things that you can do on Facebook and... YouTube, right? You can't do long-form video in the feed. You can do it in Instagram TV, and you can't post articles. You can only post screen caps of articles. And mm-hmm. as a general rule, text on Instagram doesn't work very well, right? And ends up being too hard. And yeah, I, yeah, no, I'm,
0: I'm, I'm just saying the moral line. I'm mm-hmm. saying is like, like nudity isn't going to be a uh, part of like uh, Tumblr went off that way, and Twitter has a problem with that, and you know, just like pornography being on things, so. There is a line that's been that the company at Instagram and Facebook has said, we're Facebook not, we're does not the, same we're thing. the same thing. Same company owns them. But uh, they both made efforts. So I think it's interesting that, like, Tumblr is dying. Like, there's certain platforms that I guess the audience has speak spoken that more users will go to things where they feel safer. Sure. And not going to be confronted with some... You know, some random pick that's like, oh,
1: genitalia. Whoa, okay. But that's just one bucket, yeah. right? Right. There's a lot of other buckets that you can find all sorts of stuff on YouTube and Facebook that you probably would be really?
0: Can you some? equally
1: morally ab- abhorrent of, you know? All right.
0: Well, uh, what haven't we covered? I don't we know. Gotta, that was
1: a super positive way to end this thing. It was
0: great. <laughs> it ended on nipples. That's all we needed to know.
1: I feel like I'm in the sixth book of The Hunger Games, which is awesome. <laughs>
0: Which I have not seen any of those films, but whatever. I know that's terrible, but I'm just not. I don't know
1: that it's terrible. <laughs> I really don't know. I like
0: Jennifer Lawrence. I just don't like that genre of film. Um, well, I appreciate you coming in. Thanks what, for having. Uh, me. When you, uh, I want to hear. Next time, are you going off to some big uh, tech conference at any time in Vegas or? Uh, not or probably not until next year at next this point. Year. Yeah. All right, I'll talk to somebody over there because I'd like for you to be the conduit to sift through all that and then bring me back what's relevant.
1: Will do. Not a problem. All right,
0: thanks, buddy. Dude, thanks. See you. Hey, have you guys checked out the fullexposurepodcast.com website yet? It is an enriching podcasting experience. On each dedicated episode page, you can see a gallery of portraits that I shot of each guest just before we sat down and had our conversation. There's also a gallery of video excerpts. These are just nice little appetizing nuggets that you can see in two, three, five minute video clips that give a snapshot of just one little part of our conversation. So please check out fullexposurepodcast.com. This Full Exposure Podcast episode has been made possible through the support of Metro Health, University of Michigan Health, and Dr. Peter Hahn, who believe that creativity and the arts are essential to a rich, healthy, and fulfilling life.